0: Welcome to the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Brattrude. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Viewers, we are dedicated to giving you the facts so that you can stand for truth. So please note that this podcast was filmed before the Senate Health Omnibus Bill was released, which does not include some of the pro-abortion provisions we discussed today please still call your representative and tell them to vote no on the House Omnibus Bill, HF 2930, which is unchanged and contains the pro-abortion regulations we discuss in this episode. And now, the Family Beacon Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon podcast. My name is Grace Evans. I am here with Becca Delahunt, our acting director of public policy here at Minnesota Family Council. Now, I am missing our co host, Moses Bradford. He will be back on the podcast with me next week. But you guys, we have a very special episode here today. Becca, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Very happy to be here. Yeah, we are honored to have you on the podcast as always. Uh, Guys, I'm going to break down quickly what we'll be discussing and then we'll just go ahead and jump right on in. So, it's been a while since we've had a legislative update from Becca. Now, there's a lot of stuff that has been going down. Really, yes. we could talk about probably like, what, 10 bills, Becca? We could talk about a
1: lot. Yeah. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah.
0: We could talk about so much today, but here's what we will be discussing. We're going to be discussing a recent House and Senate omnibus health bill that has been brought up. We'll talk about what even an omnibus bill is and really some destructive pro-abortion, uh, basically pro-abortion, you um, Regulations in this bill, I guess Mm -hmm. I could say. Maybe that's not the technical term. Becca Mm -hmm. will correct uh, correct me as we go on. And then we'll be discussing the so-called Equal Rights Amendment, which is really not about equal rights. It's about erasing womanhood. And then finally, Becca is going to give us an update on the kidnapping bill, really what went down last week, and how we can continue to fight back against it until the Senate takes its vote and has its floor debate. So... That's what's on the agenda today. Let's go ahead and jump right on in. Yeah. Becca, first and foremost, let's get into this omnibus bill. Yes. I mean, first of all, what is an omnibus bill?
1: That's a great question. I think it's kind of sort of a black box. We're all mm. wondering. We know it's big. Actually, I'm, I'm holding the <laughs> health omnibus <laughs> bill. It's huge. Guys, look how big. I was looking at it. I don't know how many pages this is. It's, it's huge. Crazy. It's over 500. Um, yeah. So what <laughs> is an omnibus bill? Well, there are different committees addressing different issues in both chambers of the legislature. And the health omnibus bill will take into account all of the relevant bills that leadership wants to have passed at the end of session. And so it's a lot of bills that have gone through the committee process earlier in session, placed into one bill, Just to save the committee some time and the floor, if they were to vote on each of these bills individually, it would take them a ton of time. Now, the problem with that, Grace, Mm -hmm. there is some benefit to, you know, putting it all into one bill. But the problem with that is that it lacks transparency for the public. There's a lot of things buried in the bill. Maybe there are some good things buried. There are some bad things. But a vote for the bill is a vote for the whole thing. For everything. Um, And so... Yeah, the problem with the health omnibus bill is that it includes a lot of provisions that we've been talking to you about from House File ninety one, mm-hmm. and in the Senate bill, mm-hmm. that's Senate File seventy. So those are the identical House and Senate bills that repeal so many of the abortion-related statutes that protect women, protect babies born alive during abortion, help ensure transparency for taxpayers, etc. And so these are these statutes now are going to be buried within. This bill, which addresses so many health issues that affect ah. the state of Minnesota. And so we just didn't want you to be confused about what's changing. If you want to follow along, um, they've been having hearings this, this week and the mm-hmm. Senate has a hearing tomorrow. It's Senate File 2995 and House File 2930. These are the omnibus bills in the relevant health committee's.
0: Mm, that's super helpful, Becca. And I don't know if you know this, but in Latin, omnibus actually means for all. Oh, and so, amazing! Yeah, so that I makes think sense. it's kind of helpful. Of like, okay, so mm-hmm. omnibus basically means an all-encompassing sort of bill, like you've just yeah. said. Um And so I'm really glad that here on the podcast to really break it down for us because I mean, let's sh- yeah. show this again. This is know. what Becca has had to sift through <laughs> in order to bring us the facts so that we can stand for truth. yes. Because okay, we could go ahead and read that, but honestly. I don't have time to read that entire thing. That sounds extremely exciting. Yeah, that's why we have that. (laughs) That's what
1: people love to do.
0: (laughs) As our expert on the podcast, because she has done the deep dive for us. And she's going to tell us all of the negative things that we really need to be aware of about this bill, specifically about abortion. So let's yeah. jump right on in because there's a lot of stuff hidden in the weeds, yes. so to speak. Yes. So first, can you just break down what exactly the Positive Alternatives Grant Program is? We briefly talked about it on the podcast, but I just want to fill people in on that. And then after you break that down, how that bill strips that away.
1: Absolutely, yes. So the Positive Alternatives Grant Program is a great program that provides a lot of funding for pregnancy resource centers. Yes. So some pregnancy resource centers, they have all private funding. Other ones take some money from this grant program or they're fully funded by this grant mm-hmm. program, which comes from our taxpayer dollars. Currently, this program, it's pretty small. Um, it's about $3.5 per grant cycle is awarded to... Um, different organizations that apply for this. I think it's not just pregnancy resource centers, but certainly they make up a sizable percentage of organizations that receive this funding. Um, And like I said, not all PRCs apply for funding from this, but a lot do. I have talked with one woman whose PRC is fully funded by this uh, mm-hmm. program, and the omnibus bill actually just strips the program completely. It just strips the statute. So I, I think it's really important for voters to know that You know, we've been told that we need to provide options for women. Women need choice, but they're Mm -hmm. really taking away the options that women have. They're taking that away from women and leaving them with only one option, which is abortion. And so Mm -hmm. that just needs to be addressed.
0: And so that's the thing. Legislators that are advocating for getting rid of the Positive Alternatives Grant Program and for this inclusion of this specific portion into this omnibus bill that we're talking about, they're not actually, like you're saying, they're not actually pro-choice. They're just pro-abortion. And we're seeing that becoming really more mainstream. That's the more mainstream thought. People will say, I'm pro-choice. But really what they mean is they're pro-abortion. Because Mm -hmm. if they were pro-choice, they would love pregnancy resource centers. Because they offer women the life-affirming choice to choose life for their child. And they'll walk with women through every stage of pregnancy and after pregnancy mm-hmm. even. And so that's an excellent point. And it's it's really sad that this has just kind of slid into this all-encompassing bill. This, I know. This, it, it's really yeah. sad. And it doesn't stop there. That's the thing, Becca, right? It does not stop it, there. <laughs> it's not just that. It's also... Yeah a bunch of other things. So, Becca, let me ask you, what Mm -hmm. are the health and safety protections that this bill removes for Mm -hmm. women, girls, and, yeah, women and girls in our state?
1: Yes, yeah. Well, this bill really is just helpful for the abortion industry, as you'll Mm -hmm. find out shortly. So, essentially, this bill, we talked to you about how HF91, SF70 repealed the Born Alive Infants Protection Act, which is the law that says that any baby born during a botched abortion procedure should be given all the care afforded to any other human. Uh, born at the same age of gestation. Any live person. Sense. Yes, <laughs> that should be common sense. Um, essentially, this this bill strips that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I heard the bill author today saying committee, of course, if an infant is born alive, comfort care will be provided. And I thought it was very fitting, Grace, um, an opposing member who, I think he's a EMT Also, he said, comfort care isn't the same as life-saving care. And I thought that that was very fitting. He just called that out. Um, That is really good. Yeah, but it's very confusing to the public. If you see comfort care, you might think, oh, oh, they're going to attempt to save the life of the baby. But I think what we need to ask is, if a woman is having an abortion performed on her by an abortionist, what is the incentive for the abortionist, mm-hmm. to try to save the baby, right? Money. He's making money from aborting the baby. And so what is he actually going to do to try to save that baby? I think that's the question that voters should be asking mm-hmm. uh, members of the legislature. And so I that's think, the big one.
0: Yeah, another question I think that just the general public and the legislators need to ask is, what makes a wanted child more valuable than an unwanted yeah. child? Yeah, Nothing. Nothing yeah. makes that child more valuable. Children, every single child is of extraordinary and insurpassable value, yes. and that's exactly what many members of our legislature are missing. Many members of Minis- – many uh, I should say just constituents here in Minnesota mm-hmm. are missing. They're missing that. We can't – when we decide – x person is not valuable because we've just decided this arbitrarily that's when we see the mm-hmm. largest human rights crises of our time yeah that's what we're facing right now I And mean, we've seen it in many many other circumstances we've seen it with slavery we've seen it with the holocaust and we're here to fight against this so yeah.
1: what makes a what makes a person valuable mm-hmm. the fact that we are human i mean we bear God's image. that's that's the only criteria um i mean we value things that don't even have that Level, but Grace, I did want to get into. There are many other things being repealed that are very similar to the other bill that we've been talking about. So
0: taxpayer funding, taxpayer funding is a big one too. Yes,
1: taxpayer funding. So. Right now, Minnesotans do pay for some abortions, but only abortions done in the case when a woman has been raped mm-hmm. or when there's been incest involved or when her life is in danger. And I've looked at the data, Grace, that's oh, reported wow. on that. And it's very minimal in the state of Minnesota, which I'm glad, right? We don't want- <laughs> the data is reported, guys. Um, we can look at that. The data is reported, which is helpful for us to know that that is not often the reason why abortion is being done, which, first off- that's good. We don't want people to be, you know, raped or have incest or her life be in danger. Um, but the big thing about this omnibus bill hmm. is that it changes taxpayer funding to include all women seeking an abortion who are covered by state-funded uh, taxpayer insurance, so Minnesota care. Um, we will be paying now for all abortions that a woman who is covered by that care, all wow. abortions that she will be seeking. So. That really opens the doors. I mean, I'd have to look specifically into the data, but that
0: mm-hmm. provides a
1: much wider pool of abortions that we will be paying for with our taxpayer dollars.
0: And then the question is, Becca, are mm-hmm. taxpayer dollars then going to be paying for abortion, basically infanticide? So after the child is born alive from a yeah. botched abortion yeah. and that child, there's sure. that the medical professionals are under no obligation to yeah. help that child live. Are we paying for I mean, that?
1: I would say there's potential for that wow. for sure. I mean, because it's repealing all of these statutes, um, mm-hmm. and the next thing that I was going to share with all of you is that we won't really know about it necessarily because mm-hmm. the abortion reporting requirements by the state um, will be repealed
0: under this omnibus bill again.
1: Yeah, from the department, and so our question should be why is why is the state trying to hide? Abortion, especially now that we're going to be paying for so many yes. more, shouldn't we know about what we're paying for? Shouldn't yeah. we know about at what stage the abortion is being performed? um You know, abortion. How many abortions does an abortionist provide? By the way, all this data that is provided by the state is de-identified, so we don't know the names of the the clients, the names of mm-hmm. the abortionists providing right. this, or we just know the numbers. We know no- numbers, mm-hmm. which is helpful as mm-hmm. the taxpayers. Um, so and I think you're, yeah. If, if we're so dark.
0: supportive of abortion, then yeah. Why are you trying to hide it? It's almost like you know there's something wrong with abortion. If yes. you're trying to hide it.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Or trying to help the industry grow rather than trying to help women. I did want to quickly mention Grace. Yeah. Do there I. are many other things getting repealed that I didn't even mention. Goodness. So currently, um, if an, a woman is seeking an abortion after the first trimester, mm-hmm. she has to have it be performed in a hospital for her own safety mm-hmm. reasons. Also. If she's having a surgical abortion, yep. a physician must perform a physician must perform an abortion. They're repealing that, and they're not replacing it with anything. That's crazy. So that's so unsafe for me woman. What's to stop me yeah. from performing an abortion? That's I am so clearly unsafe. not a medical professional. No. Um, also, something else that's very concerning that I think hasn't gotten a lot of. Can I of, say a
0: comment really quick on yeah, that thing? Yeah. Jump. And then jump you go. in. Um, okay. So why it's unsafe for women to not be hospitalized in a third tri- trimester abortion yeah. is because one reason is because oftentimes the hallways in a Planned Parenthood or in an abortion facility. Are not wide enough for a gurney Mm. to get through and a gurney is what gets off of an ambulance guys and is rushing in to save women because oftentimes women will be bleeding out from abortions Mm. will need to go to a hospital because they have a botched abortion and so they need an ambulance gurney to be able to get through the hallways well guess what abortion facilities oftentimes they they, first of all they're not required to be up to date with those kinds of standards Mm. and usually they're just. They're not going to do it because they don't actually care about women. They care about making money. And so what I'm saying is this is so dangerous for women because mm-hmm. they're no longer required to be in a hospital when they're undergoing the most dangerous kind of abortion to women.
1: Yes. So anyway, wow. sorry, just need to jump in That's, there and bring the It just it to affirms the what we knew, right? I mean, yes. this is just to help the abortion industry. This is just to pad the profit rather mm-hmm. than helping women. Um, it's repealing the informed consent statute so that I think, was, <clears throat> I think it was voted on and even had bipartisan authorship when it was introduced mm. in the early 2000s. And then lastly, this is something that hasn't gotten much talk at all, but body disposal. Right now, the way that uh, fetal tissue is disposed of is regulated, and they're repealing that law as well. So why why would you repeal that? You know, yeah. what are you going to use that for? I think that that's a question that we need to be asking.
0: There's a lot of questions we should be asking you guys. <laughs> guys, it never stops.
1: Oh, my goodness. So that's kind of all I had to share. Yeah. I mean, there's there's more that we could of share, course. but I think those are probably the most egregious. And those are things that you could consider bringing up with your lawmaker if you want to talk to them about these omnibus bills.
0: Thank you, Becca. That's so yeah. helpful. So speaking of, I just want to tell our audience really quickly yeah. um, how they can take action against this deadly yes, bill. Yes, do. So mm-hmm. you guys need to go ahead and subscribe to mfc.org slash subscribe. Go to that link. Click the button. Subscribe to our emails because we will be posting an action alert that you can go ahead and sign. And we're sending that out Friday, the day that you get this podcast. If you aren't subscribed to our email list and you somehow missed that, go to our Instagram at Council, and we will have that link in our bio on our Instagram page and you guys can go ahead and sign that because it's so important to let our legislators know we stand against this omnibus bill that again is for all so it's a very all-encompassing bill maybe there's things in this bill that we would affirm and we'd be like yeah that's a great that's sure. a great piece of legislation but th- the thing is there are terrible things invested into this bill so yeah. we do not support this omnibus bill
1: yes um you don't have to feel embarrassed to not know all the content mm-hmm. of the bill to oppose the bill it's actually really good, good. for lawmakers to know please don't vote for this bill on the merits that it is basically just a pro-abortion bill. That's Mm -hmm. all you need to know about it. You don't need to be an expert in everything. Um, I guarantee you probably (laughs) no one is an expert in all of it. So just call and say, please vote against this because of these reasons. Um, Yeah, and feel free to reach out to me too. My email is Rebecca at MFC.org if you have specific questions feel free to reach out and ask them. I'm happy to provide answers as I
0: can. I mean, we'll do the best we can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, okay, well, thank you. That was incredibly insightful for me, for our audience, Becca. Let's jump in now to the equal, the so-called, I should say, so-called Equal Rights Amendment. And you are on fire about this. So just tell us a little bit about it first This one.
1: This one really bothers me. So Mm -hmm. the ERA, (laughs) the Equal Rights Amendment, so-called, has been around for decades. I think the first one was in 19, and mm. it was more focused on protecting women's rights. Um, if women's th-
0: rights, like voting? Is that what you're saying? Well,
1: or- so women already had the right to vote. I, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe like, I don't know, like... Um,
0: Actual women's rights. Yeah,
1: workplace, workplace issues mm. and salary and that sort of thing. I don't know because my focus today is on the ERA that we're seeing in the today. legislature nowadays <laughs> and sweeping across the country. Yes. So if the ERA was about women's rights mm. today... It wouldn't really be necessary, Grace, because we have protections for women Facts. in both the federal and state government. I mean the fifth and fourteenth amendments protect equal protection for women. Yes.
0: Um I have a quick comment on that. Yeah. What jump I mean, in. What there is nothing today that I as a woman cannot do that men yeah. can do. That's what yeah. I that's what I tell people when they're yeah. like we don't have equal rights as men. What right do I not have that men have? Men, women can be in the military now, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) No, and I
1: uh, there was a there was a testifier who talked about how it's just not really relevant because you see more women represented anyway in the professions, like law school or medical school, just issues like that. I mean. We're not saying that discrimination doesn't occur. I mean, we've probably both experienced discrimination. However, we have the ability to take legal action against that if it warrants it. Um, The point about today's ERA is that it is about gender identity. Mm -hmm. And gender identity is not defined in the bill. So it really is whatever identity a person whatever identity a person wants to take on. And so what does that mean, Grace? That means that
0: it allows (laughs) males to identify as
1: women. So it's really about men's rights.
0: Which is ridiculous because it's supposed to be about women's rights, like the Equal Rights Amendment protects women, and really it's about erasing womanhood. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is about erasing womanhood. And I'm – yeah, I mean –
0: So, Becca, this is really fascinating. Can you please tell us how have we gotten to the point where men can identify as women and get no pushback from anyone? Well, not anyone, but no pushback. We're pushing back. Some people are pushing back. Matt Walsh is pushing back. Let me (laughs) tell you.
1: Yeah, (laughs) no, it's a great question, Grace, because I think we're. It's so counterintuitive to what we've seen of feminists Mm -hmm. of the 1900s, right? It's so confusing. How did this explode onto the scene? Well, in reality, this has been brewing under the surface for a long time, Mm -hmm. Grace. Um we see in the 1800s uh, philosophers talking about how to find your true self, you need to escape, uh, you know, the oh, yes. escape the escape civilization and just be your true self, be your feelings, find your
0: authentic, find your authentic,
1: self. authentic self. Yes.
0: Um, Carl and Truman that, has written about this. Yes. Yes. The yes. Rise and
1: Triumph of the Modern Self. Modern self. Read the book, Would guys. Would recommend that. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah, but that continued into the 60s and 70s and the 80s and 90s, and it took on kind of a new face with different philosophers and professors Mm -hmm. talking about how gender is a construct, and you can raise children in any way, in any role, and the child will adapt to that role. Society, according to these thinkers like Judith Butler, um, Gail Rubin, people, those thinkers were saying, that society puts us in a box and assumes if you have female genitalia you must be raised as a girl and if you could be raised as a boy you would just as easily adapt to that um, kind of gender role which is false um but those thoughts weren't acceptable at the time but what happens grace when we have thinkers in academia in the 1990s saying these ideas they come home to roost decades later that's right which is what (laughs) we're seeing in the legislature and so we have a lot of people who are thought leaders saying that you have to find yourself by just expressing your inner thought life. And Mm -hmm. so if you feel, if you feel like you're a woman, we all have to
0: bow to that. Yes. Not only are you, but anyone who doesn't treat you as you think you are is a bigot, a hater. They hate you. And wrong.
1: Yes. And it's so, it's so strange, Grace, because People like us would be seen as a part of this cis heteronormative that we yes. they have to overcome. It wasn't
0: that we bought into the, the lies society has given yes. to us. Yes, which is hilarious because we are women. Yes, we are biological women, and we're yeah. saying this bill, are, it's erasing us. Yeah, and they're like, oh well, you're just they probably they probably say, oh, you're brainwashed by the patriarchy. You're ba- yeah. brainwashed by society. It's yes. Ridiculous, which guys. we'll get,
1: we'll get into how that's, how that's not true. Yeah. Um, but this is, this kind of ideology is how we see males who identify as women being accepted into female only prisons and girls' sports teams. And it's, mm. it's really disheartening. Um, they're just trying to ignore the reality that there are systematic biological differences between men and women. You might have surgeries done to change your genitalia. You might have, you know, facial feminizing surgery, whatever. It doesn't change your cellular makeup. And as Christians, as a Christian, Mm -hmm. I say, that's wonderful. That reflects God's glory in a way that I can't change. And that's actually a good thing. So true. Yeah, I want to celebrate the fact that I was created female. So that's really how it's crept in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really honestly kind of hard to believe if you you haven't followed that pattern, which I didn't until – you know recent yeah. years
0: what books were you reading that made you realize this pattern Where, yeah like list them off i mean well i so to be
1: honest with you guys yeah. i got a lot of this from james Lindsay, who's mm-hmm. a thinker i yes. don't know if you follow yes. james yes. Lindsay, yeah but the rise and triumph of the modern self is really yes, helpful so too good. and um i would also recommend reading love thy body by nancy Pearcey. yeah i would recommend doing that too to understand the biblical perspective of being created in god's image yeah. yeah,
0: super helpful. So yeah. you've talked a little bit about this already, Becca. So feel sure. free to yeah. just flesh it out a little bit more. You've talked about, you know, different spaces like prisons, et cetera. Yes. But let's flesh it out more. How exactly will the ERA, you know, it claims to stand for women's mm-hmm. rights, but it's actually going to erase women. So give specific, more specific examples and flesh out, okay, how
2: mm-hmm.
0: are males allowed to be in women's spaces yes. such as prisons? Like why is that the yeah. case under the ERA?
1: Well, I think that this this is the first time that we're going to see legal protections mm. for males to be allowed into women's prisons. So you might have a prison that, you know, accepts the rule that if you have someone who identifies as a woman, they get put into prison. Mm. But now under the ERA, I mean, we take this to mean that a male will have legal backing um, yeah. to be able to put into that female prison. And, and the woman is really left strung out to, you know, by herself without any backing for that, which is just so really sad. hard to believe and yeah. we're
0: seeing it – the thing is we're seeing this kind of thing in the U.K. already and in other yes. countries. So we see yeah. in the U.K. this is happening in what happens when men that are in prison that don't have the best record and usually sure. are, you know, um, criminal. They are yeah. criminals. They are criminals if they're in prison. And so what's happening when they're in female-only spaces and they're, and they're criminals? Well, yeah. sometimes women are getting raped. They're getting assaulted. And biological women are getting raped by biological men. And it's all – bowing down to this ideology which is all about how x person feels yes
1: yes no exactly i mean i've read accounts multiple times Mm -hmm. of convicted sex offenders being put into women's prisons i mean think about the Think about the motive behind that, right? I mean, of course, that's exactly what the motive is going to be. And um, I even read a story. I think it was a male in Canada Mm -hmm. who had raped a three-month-old baby who was put into a women's prison where there were women and children, like family, you know, a family unit. And I can't think of anything. I can't think of a worse definition of cruel and unusual punishment. I think that that's like the definition. And so... I mean, we find ourselves barbaric,
0: barbaric punishment. Yeah,
1: just barbaric punishment. And it's we're going to continue to fight against that. um, And I think that it will that stuff can't stand around. But we just have to continually say that there are differences between males and females. And if we try to ignore that, it actually ends up helping males and, and males that we don't want to take. You know, And
0: we're not against you men. Mean, against like you've said that before no, on social media. No. You, yeah. we, are, we love strong men, strong godly men. Awesome. But yes. you know what we're against is – They're not the males
1: who take advantage of us, right, right Grace? Criminals the yeah. ones who are taking
0: advantage <laughs> of yeah. us. Um, Correct. So, yeah, guys, just don't be afraid, I would say. And we'll get off our soapbox in a minute. But don't be afraid to – you're familiar with the story of the emperor's new clothes. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say, hey – That man has no clothes on if he has no clothes on. So, in other words, in our context, don't be afraid to say that man, it's not, that person that you're saying is a a man, is not a man, is actually a woman. Yes. Not, not, yeah, yeah, not a man. Don't be afraid to say that. And people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're a hater." Oh, you, and, you, and really, you're just you're refusing to conform to what they are saying reality is, which is a lie about reality. So mm-hmm. you're just saying this is the blatant truth, and I'm not gonna compromise. And guys, if we yeah. don't stand our ground on this, honestly, we have almost nothing left to lose. Yeah. If we don't, if we are, if we are as a culture not able to say this is a man and this is a woman, this is what makes us different, and this is what is beautiful mm. about our differences. We don't have much more to fall. Yes. We, don't, we can't fall that much more. I think it's a
1: war on truth. It's not a reality. war on male, female. It's a war on reality. It's a war on truth. And I think I think a, a winning argument for you to think about hmm. saying when, when you are called a bigot is what happens when we combine males and female prison and all that stuff? Yeah. You, you allow men to play on women's sports or boys on girls sports. Well, what happens is that the physical systematic physical strength wins mm-hmm. the day. And so that is clearly discrimination. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what I've been saying is yep. there are systematic differences and the physical differences are really highlighted when you just put them all together and you say, oh, the women can handle it. Actually, I was going to have our listeners see uh, what, a bill, what oh, one of the yes. bill authors
2: said about boys playing in girls sports.
0: <gasps> Let's go ahead and roll that clip yeah. right now for you
2: guys. Um, adding rights to one group of people doesn't actually take rights away from another group of people. The 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote, it, that did not take rights away from men. And so for us to have the fear of a right and then it gets taken away from us, it's just not rooted in reality. The other thing is fair competition. I am so sorry, but our just, cisgender girls are going to be just fine. You know what? Society is built in a way that accommodates us already. I had a D, I had an athlete who was a, a USA Olympic gym uh, was on the track to being an Olympic, Olympic gymnast. She trained with Sunisa Lee for 10 years. Whether she lost in competitions to a girl or a, uh, somebody who was a trans uh, girl, her outcome was going to be the same. She didn't go to the Olympics. She was going to be a D1 athlete, which only 7% of high school students go to be that. Actually, only 7% going to do, play uh, collegiate sports, and 2% make it to be D1 athletes. And then from there, only 2% of that 2% makes it to become a pro athlete. So the fears that we have around a fair competition, it is fair. And the few trans girls that play with other girls are cisgender girls will be okay. That is really just wow. hard to even swallow.
1: I mean, I Crazy. I was sitting there and I was texting a member of the committee. I was like, "Did that just happen? Did that just did that just happen?" Yeah,
0: it's so wild. It's incredibly <laughs>
1: wild. And so I think clearly this is discrimination against women, mm-hmm. and it's even perpetuated sometimes by women, which is just really hard to understand, Grace. But yep. just like Grace said. The emperor is not wearing clothes. Right. You can call truth on the spot. You can do it in a loving way. You can do it in the right mm-hmm. way. Um, we just encourage you to, I think it was Solzhenitsyn. Am I saying the right? Solzhenitsyn who said, live yeah. not by lies. Yes. Don't live by lies. Don't be pressured into that.
0: Wow, guys, I hope that rant was helpful for you. I'm fired up. Let's jump into more details of the ERA. So the ERA here in Minnesota is a little bit confusing. Sure. So can you explain, you don't have to go into depth about like all the different multiple ERA bills in each state, like everything defers, but what sets Minnesotas apart?
1: Yes. Yep, so there are a couple of bills Mm. moving through the legislature. Actually, unfortunately, they could be voted on by either chamber at the same time. Mm. The first one is a bill that is a resolution to Congress that the requirements have been met to ratify the ERA in Congress. Now, this one is, in my opinion, based on the counsel that I've received, less dangerous because multiple federal courts have said that um, this is no longer viable. The Mm -hmm. ERA of the 1970s is very different than what the ERA of today is, especially in relation to gender identity and, you know, male and female relationships within culture today rather than the 1970s. Um, So, And even, I think, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, didn't she say this is not viable? I'm pretty sure there's a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the inviability of the ERA. The one that's actually tougher is a bill that would be voted on by the legislature to put forth a question to voters on the ballot of Minnesota voters in the fall of 2024. Mm -hmm. And it's a longer question, but the concerning part that I've been focusing on is, shall the Minnesota Constitution be amended by adding a specific guarantee that Equality of rights under the law shall not be abridged or denied on account of gender identity or expression, oh, and so that just kind of that would be the
0: prisons thing, the
1: prisons issue, the sports issue. Wow, and so it, it's hard, Grace, because on its face it looks good, right? right. It sounds like we don't, want, we don't want people to be like discriminated rights. against, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so if this were to pass, you just need to get the word out to your neighbors, to your friends, to your yes. family in Minnesota that this is really. Just harmful to women um, mm-hmm. and it's cloaked in really friendly language but that is what that bill does and that bill is senate file 37 and house file 173 mm-hmm. the bill uh resolution to congress is senate file 47 hf 197 but the the one that i talked about in relation to minnesota specifically is the one that is more concerning
0: Mm-hmm. So that one specifically, Becca, where mm-hmm. is that in the legislative process? Just for our that eyes, one,
1: you know. um, that one can be voted on by the legislature. I'm pretty sure at any moment Whoa. there is there is one that has to go through the, a last committee stop.
2: Okay,
1: I don't need, to avoid the weeds. It's a committee within the legislature that they don't take public testimony. Wow. I can't remember which of the two it is.
0: All good. Um,
1: whether it's the federal or the state one, but basically it could be voted on at any time. Wow. So if you're concerned about this, I would you know, ask you to please call your lawmaker yes. sooner rather than later. And we'll keep you updated. Yep. If you sign up for our emails, we'll keep you updated on the mm-hmm. timing as it comes out and it becomes public. Yeah.
0: And follow us on social media as yes. always. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, at MN Family Council. Same on Twitter. We will keep you posted on this because, guys, it's coming down the pipe. And sometimes mm-hmm. there's just so much this session honestly to keep yeah. up with. We're trying to keep you, keep you guys up to date on all the things. But, I mean, we're about to turn to the kidnapping bill. And guys, we're facing I that We also. haven't even gotten there yet. We haven't even gotten to the kidnapping bill. We're going to break that down for you guys, oh in like the goodness. next eight to nine minutes. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we will keep you posted on the so-called equal rights amendment. Speak up now, like Becca has said. And if you have any questions, again, Rebecca at MFC.org. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into the kidnapping bill now, because yes. the last podcast oh episode, guys. We broadcasted to you live from the front lines at the Capitol, gave you some mm-hmm. on-the-ground footage. So grateful to our videographer, Christine, who did an incredible job following, following us around. around. Um, but we were doing it the day of, so we didn't have the result because so it was that photo sure on at like 2 a.m. on yeah. Sa- Saturday morning. Is that right? Or In no, the middle Friday of the night. morning. Sorry. Yeah, Friday morning, morning, 2 a.m. Yeah,
1: technically Friday morning. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. super early. So, Becca, can you just mm-hmm. summarize briefly summarize the bill, bill sure. again for us? Super briefly. Yeah. And then summarize what happened at the Capitol last week.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So this is the bill. It's a very long bill. Mm-hmm. But the part that we've been focused on is that it takes emergency custody of a child who has not been able to access so-called gender affirming health care and gives that custody to a court of the state. Now there's been a lot of back and forth between lawmakers. If you're following this issue on Twitter, there's a lot of back and forth on this issue, but you can't deny that the language explicitly states, and I hope we can show it up on the screen maybe, that Mm -hmm. emergency custody of the child will be given to the court of the state if the child has not been able to access gender-affirming healthcare. Currently in statute, parents lose custody of children um, in cases of abuse and neglect. Yeah. And certainly if a child is being abused, Grace, we want them to be in a safe situation. Absolutely. However, this bill makes the assumption that children not being able to access so-called gender-affirming health care is just as serious, Grace, as abuse, abuse or neglect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think that that fits at all with what Minnesota parents nope. see, right? They might have concerns about so-called gender-affirming health care. They don't want their child to have access to drugs that cause many other unintended consequences, whether it be bone structure and development mm-hmm. or you know, even a heart failure, different kinds of strokes um, that these drugs are associated with. And so we highly recommend that you ask your lawmaker to vote no. I jumped a little bit ahead, Grace, yep. but the bill was passed in the House that doesn't mean that it's become state law yet. It does need to be voted on in the mm-hmm. Senate. and yep. we'll, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, too. And then a bill needs to be signed into law by the governor. Now, Governor Walls has indicated that he is in full support of children receiving so-called gender affirming health care. And so oh there's pretty much no doubt that he'll sign it should it pass the Senate. Uh, but the Senate is tighter grace. And so. That's where our attention has turned.
0: Wow. Okay, really quick, yeah. I want to make a comment here on everything you're saying. Yes. So the whole thing about it's this bill is basically likening concerned parents, parents that are concerned about their yes. child transitioning. It's likening them to abusers. It's saying, you no are abusive. abusing your child through doing this. Now, this is the thing, you guys. I want to be crystal clear. It is abusive to age your child in mutilating themselves before they turn 18. That is abusive. Mm-hmm parents should never encourage their children to self to undergo self harm yeah they never should, especially when it causes irreversible damage, guys. Infertility, mm-hmm. um, your your quality of life has changed. Becca knows so many more details than I know on this. Your quality mm-hmm. of life is forever altered. Your bone structure can be altered if it's early mm-hmm. enough. Yes. I mean, every single child in Minnesota deserves to turn eighteen without having their without having their body mutilated. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Um. So, just wanted to put yeah. that out there because it is. There's so many euphemisms floating around with the kidnapping bill, with the so-called Equal Rights Amendment, and of course, as always, with the abortion debate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's cloaked in, in a
1: lot of language that doesn't get into what actually this consists mm-hmm. of. Yeah. As Grace said, children have a right to a biologically whole body yep. by 18 years old. Absolutely. I did not come up with that line. It's Katie Faust, our girl Katie Faust. Yes, so <laughs> yeah. good. But they so do. Good. They have a right to a whole body. They don't know what they're signing up for when they're signing up for this. No. They don't know what it means to be sterile. A no. twelve year old girl, she has no, no idea. And
0: a twelve year old cannot get a tattoo should. without yeah. parental consent. Yeah. She cannot vote. Yeah. She cannot drive. Why? I don't think she can take an advil.
1: I don't Probably think not. I think they need advice at school uh, from parents.
0: And yet or she already. can consent to undergoing irreversible damage to being sterilized yeah. to having wrong sex hormones injected into her body mm-hmm. when she's 12 years old when she can't get a tattoo without no, parental does consent. Does not make logical sense. Not make sense. This yeah. is all virtue signaling to wokeness. Okay, so Becca, really quickly as we come in here for a landing, yeah. what has been the response of many legislatures to this bill? I mean, I know mm-hmm. it's mixed, but maybe yes. highlight one or two, sure. um, not by name, of course. And sure. then how can we specifically be praying for our allies in the legislature?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, some people just called it what it was on the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had different amendments offered to ensure that this so-called gender affirming health care does not include um, permanent loss of sexual function, permanent sterilization, or permanent change to bone density. Um, that was voted down. Um, there are, so there are people who are acknowledging the reality of it, Grace, yeah. but then you have the bill author and other people saying, nothing to see here. We're just protecting kids <laughs> from other states. <laughs> no. Nothing. And, and I just think you have to address what is actually happening? What are we actually talking about? Um, This is not about just allowing kids to come to the state to receive this. Let's talk about what the kind of what this so-called gender affirming care actually involves. One thing I, as I'm thinking about it, Grace, there has been some talk about how this only affects kids from out of state, and I think that it is um, politically that's the move, right? Politically, the people who are pushing mm-hmm. this bill are saying because other states are banning this for children, like South states, Dakota, yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa, uh, sure Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee yeah, with Tennessee. Matt Walsh, and
2: Arkansas, else. Alabama,
1: yes. I think. Yep. So Which as we they saw those
2: states, yeah, <laughs> they're
1: protecting <laughs> yes. children. Um, So this was a political move. However, Grace, I did want to note that the language doesn't specify that this only applies Mm -hmm. to children coming Mm -hmm. in from out of state. And so if it doesn't specify that, Grace, that inherently means that this applies to all children. It applies to Minnesota kids as well. And so if if you have children, if you have children under 18, I would recommend that, and you have to figure out the timing on that for yourself, but start talking to them about this and start talking to them about how their body is fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, You don't have to physically change it. Um, to fit in with some sort of identity. Um, Your body is wonderful, and you're welcome to talk to adults about that.
0: And no child is born in the wrong body. No child, and that's what you tell your kid. Like, if your kid is struggling, you do not affirm them in in a mental health crisis. This is a mental Mm -hmm. health crisis. We do not affirm them in that. If your child came to you and was struggling with anorexia, you would not say, that's right, you are so fat. You would never affirm your child in that because you love your child. Likewise, do not affirm your child in this mental health crisis. Do not. Are there any, briefly, are there any key points that you think our audience should be aware of from the House floor debate last week? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think you should be aware that people are standing up for truth. I think the Mm -hmm. debate went on for five, like five-ish hours, and people offered amendments to stop this. There were lawmakers who Mm -hmm. tried to just call it on the Mm -hmm. carpet and say, Look, this is this is harm for children. This yeah. is this is wrong. Um, and the other side wasn't really having any of it. They wouldn't give an expl- explanations. Um they and Just keep
0: retweeting or not retweeting, like restating, restating but the re- same thing. Restating yes. like their same talking point lines, but like how every yeah. child or every single Minnesotan deserves gender affirming care. Isn't that yes. your, is that their main talking point with this? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: People if, if you want it. And so I would yeah. just say, even if you know that your lawmakers are aligned with you on this issue they need some encouragement. They're really beat down, Grace. Yes. Yes. Um, They need to know that people are supporting them. And there is a way to talk to your lawmakers if they're in support of this bill um, in a respectful way that says, look, this is just not right for Minnesotans and we're Mm -hmm. gonna talk to our neighbors about it. We're gonna talk to our friends about it um, if you vote yes. And so Mm -hmm. I guess our eyes have kind of turned to the Senate, Grace. Yes, um, fill us in. Yeah, so there is some update there. The bill has been sent to the Rules and Administration Committee for a hearing next Tuesday. Now that will just include member discussion, and I assume Grace, based on the timing, there is an Easter Passover break from (gasps) Wednesday, April 5th, Mm through April 10th. I believe is that Monday, Monday, April 10th. Probably Um, they come back on April 11th, and so I wouldn't be surprised, Grace, if this Mm -hmm. has a vote. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I don't conjecture. know the schedule. This She's is conjecture. Just strategy. Um, She's probably, just probably that week. Um, wow. but so in the any case, it will April be
0: April 11th, you're thinking? I would, yeah, I would wow. assume so. So yep, I say that,
1: I say that to just based on yep. how I've seen bills moving through rules and administration in yep. the past and to encourage you to talk to lawmakers now. Right now. Um,
0: our kids yeah. are on the. Our kids' lives are on the line. Yeah, their their bodies are literally on the line, and it's not only yeah. our kids; it's also our grandkids and our great grandkids yeah. here in Minnesota. Yes,
1: um, I, I will say you might have a hard time if you call your lawmaker next week. Technically, they're out of office, and so I don't know if they're accepting phone calls or not. Mm-hmm. Um, But, again, I would just encourage you, call them within the next few days, call them over the weekend, call them on Tuesday, April 11th after Easter, and just encourage them to vote against this. If you want more insights, if you want insights into your specific lawmaker, your specific senator, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to provide what I can. Again, you you, you can reach out to me. Um, You know, this is a different issue depending upon which senator you're talking about. So happy to provide you insights with your senator if you do not know him or her very well
0: that is so incredible thank yeah. you for being such an incredible oh, resource so yeah. as always guys on all of these bills and all of the other bills that we're facing there are so many you can always get more information by going to mfc.org slash subscribe you get our emails you get our updates so important for you guys to be informed right now and again on social media at MN Family Council so Becca thank you so thank much you, for being Grace. on the podcast absolutely wow. yeah happy to be here yes. thank you for having me yes absolutely yeah. there was so and much we covered listening. Um, but really you're here to hear from Becca our in-house policy expert and we we will have her back on again in the future she will keep us up to date hopefully some good news hopefully good (laughs) news um we will keep you posted remember we broadcast every single friday and you can always tune in so that you can get the facts and stand for truth we will see you next week thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the family beacon podcast from minnesota family council subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life family and religious freedom you can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth.